Hello everyone, and this is episode 106. Today I have an incredible powerhouse guest for you, and his name is Mark Cox. I will be uh, reading a short version of his bio, and he will he can talk about his belts and all the accomplishments he's done, and then I will be posting his bio everywhere. So you please do get in touch with him. He's such an, a, a role model for all these youngsters. So welcome to the Grace, Peace and Balance podcast by Gabi Abdelkadir. So this is Mark Cox. Mark has been involved with owning martial arts schools for 40 years. He has produced over 700 black belts. He brings a lifetime of experiences on and off the mat. His wisdom and life lessons learned from teaching, coaching, mentoring, and competing has contributed to life beyond the mat, which is what the title of this episode is beyond the mat. Mark brings his experiences to life as a best-selling author, motivational speaker, podcaster, and still teaches his students that grit and grind will produce growth in your life. He brings a balance of humor and real talk to the table, meeting people where they are in life and helping them navigate a positive outcome in life experiences. Oh, wow. Welcome to my podcast, Mark. It's so awesome that you invited me on here. I'm, I've been looking forward to this all day. I was at church thinking about what we're going to talk about today. And so here we are. Yeah, we're going to talk about you and then uh, we're going to end it up with about your upcoming book, Beyond the Mat. Yes. So that's just, yeah, I want to hear a little bit about you growing up. So, I, well, it's pretty typical. I'm a California kid. You know what I mean? So uh, the unique thing about me that people, you know, when they ask my my parents were married at 18 and 16. My oh, mom wow. was 16 and my dad was 18. And they had, my mom had me when she was 18 years old. Yeah. And so, uh, and I lived right here in Southern California. This is where I went to school and everything else. I was in a uh, Lutheran school from third grade to ninth grade. And then mm -hmm. I went from there to uh, high school, which is Reseda High in mm -hmm. California. And I wasn't really a great student, to be honest with you. I mean, I was really good. I was an honor student in junior high, but I was in a very small school. And then when I went to a, a bigger high school, I walked on and played football and I did that kind of stuff. But on November 16th, 1977, I remember the day I, I was sitting on the, on the bleachers and uh, a gentleman named Carlos came by and socked me right in the mouth and broke oh, my wow. jaw uh, just out of the blue. And so I was, I was wired shut through Thanksgiving and Christmas at that time. Oh my and goodness. I remember in my head going, I was a tough kid and I've always been kind of aggressive and tough because I was kind of bullied. You know what I mean? So I always had a, a very tough exterior, uh, but I remember that vividly. And then it kind of, I kind of went downhill in school. I ended up in a continuation school. I got a GED instead of actually graduate. So then I went and tried some college and it really wasn't for me. And I kind of followed in my, in my dad and grandfather's footsteps of being a machinist. They were both machinists for most of their life. And that's what I started. And then when my brother was ready for high school, 
he went and took a karate lesson. I'm eight years older than my little brother. And when he came home, I decided that, uh, you know, I, I, he goes, Hey Mark, I can get out of your bear hug. And I said, so I picked him up and I was grabbing onto him and, and he headbutts me and I let him go. And I said, man, that that's not going to fly. And that's how my martial arts journey actually happened. So that's, that's kind of like in a nutshell where my training actually started. And I was in my probably right around 2021. I started my training in around 1981 to 82 in that area. And, uh, that's kind of my, that's kind of it in a nutshell on how I, I kind of started. Oh, wow. That's incredible. So when did you get your black belt? Did you 19, start like, yeah. Yeah. 1987 is the, the, the year that I got my first black belt in, in what's called Tongsudo. And so what people ask about, uh, um, uh, Tongsudo is, is it, uh, what, what, so American Tongsudo is what the Chuck Norris brought over to America. So that's kind of our lineage. My instructor worked for him in, in Chuck Norris's schools, and that's our lineage. So Chuck Norris, Pat Johnson, the, you know, the Cobra Kai, the whole thing, that, that's our lineage, and that's where I started. That's my first black belt. And I'm still with Mr. Ichikawa today, and he's still here. He's still with us. He still teaches. And, um, you know, and he's into his 70s now, and he's still teaching class. Oh, wow. And that's where I started. And that's, that's where I hold my highest rank. And, uh, I don't like to put a lot of, I don't talk a lot about, you know, what magic rank are you? Cause you know, when you hear somebody, oh, they're an eighth degree black belt. And, uh, so if you listen to my lineage, right, I'm an eighth degree black belt in Tom Sado, And then I'm a, uh, a first degree black belt in Hapkido. I'm a fifth degree black belt in Krav Maga. It just sounds so unrealistic, but degrees kind of are somebody that sticks to the game plan and continues showing up, Mm -hmm. you know, you just kind of get awarded and they're kind of like work stops. Right. And so these degrees go up. So that's, that's where I am rank wise. So in, in Tong Sudo, which is my base art, I have been around that so long that I am my instructor's second highest ranking student that he has out of his thousands of black belts that he has. So I've been doing this for quite a long time. I'm a, I'm a very big component of, uh, loyalty, you know, and respect. And I still teach for him when I can. And, uh, this, so this is kind of my, my small journey in martial arts. I, I, I started Hobkido, I got a black belt in that way back in 90 in the nineties for that, because it was just something new I wanted to try. And then Krav Maga came around about 20 years ago and it was very intriguing to me because it's a, if you know my background, you know, I was a reserve uh, cop for a while and uh, I teach the military and I teach law enforcement, but I'm very uh, was intrigued by Krav's aggressiveness and learning to self-defense and what females could get out of it. You know what I mean? Cause you know, I have a heart for females that have been abused and, and stuff like that and how to get them to help stand up for themselves and how to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. 
So that's kind of where I'm at in a nutshell. Okay. So did you actually start a school? Did I start a school? Yeah. I, I did. So what I did, you can hear a little bit about it in the book, but I was a machinist. And then I became a pool man, believe it or not. I was cleaning pools. And I wanted a studio. So in the machine shop, I used to have something on my machine. It would say, no time to slack, six months to black. And I used to have goals in there. I'm going to have 100 black belts one day. And all this is just was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. And then in 1990, is I, I actually started my karate uh, stuff at a church. I was a ministry. Oh, wow. And I started at my church and for two years, we just taught, uh, at church, our, our, our people and, you know, bringing people to the Lord and stuff like that and using the martial arts as a, as that vehicle. Okay. And it started to grow so large that there was, there came a time that the church said, Hey, we can't just keep having outside people. There's a liability. Oh, and wow. that's when I decided that, you know what, now's the time for me to open up a school. And in 1990 is when I actually opened up a school. We kept the ministry going. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually branched down and opened up in 1990. And then in the book, you can hear the story about how nobody would rent to me and how, how I went about getting a lease to the studio. Mm -hmm. that's, that's in the book. Oh, wow. I can't wait for the book. When is it going to be out? We're going to be talking about it anyways, but... Yeah, January 6th, it's, it's going to be out. Okay, so January 6th, we're going to be talking about the book. Yeah. So what are the age groups that you teach in your in your school? So we have a little class called Little Dragons, and we can start them anywhere from two and a half to three years old. Oh, are you serious and, uh, right now? Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we have our little three-year-olds, and, and we teach a real martial arts and what that looks like, and... I have a black belt in Krav Maga that's 73 years old. And he is a, he is a uh, beast of a human being. He surfs, he does his martial arts, he hikes and uh, loves his wife. And he's a Vietnam vet. And he's just an, you know, so he just gets after it. 73 year old? Yeah. Oh my God, good for him. Oh my God. Yeah, I don't know why I was shocked. My son was five when he, uh, when he started Taekwondo. He got three, he got three belts and then he didn't continue, but yeah, yeah but yeah, but he's 22 now. So <laughs> I don't think he wants it. He goes to me, mom, it's like, I, it's my fault. I'm the one who stopped him because we were going through challenges, but um, had I not stopped him, he would be like somewhere else right now, but it's too late, I guess. I don't think he's interested anymore in that. He's, uh, but yeah, but. But yeah, so as little as two, three year old, so my God, I can just picture them like, you know, how cute they are, like trying to do all that stuff that you guys do. Oh yeah, they're, my God. yeah, they're, yeah the, the, I've had people now, I've had students of mine that's been with me since they're three uh -huh. and uh, from three to 10, my main instructor that's with me, he's been with me since he's 12 and he's in his forties now. He's never left me. I, I, I've had a school for a long, long time, and I have lifelong students that are bringing their children to me now. So, 
oh, it's just yeah. kind of a circle of life. You know what yeah. I mean? And I have, I have sons and a, and a daughter. So I've got three boys and a girl and Michael, my oldest is the one that's kind of taken the reins on to help me, uh, run the school. He's the one that's married. And, you know, my other boy's a black belt and. Oh, wow. And, uh, the whole family, the whole family has trained for oh, sure. Wow. Good job. Oh my God. I'm jealous right now because at least even like self-defense, you know, because there is so much crap going on right now. I don't know about you guys, but here there is a lot of every day somewhere. There is a shooting, there is a fighting it's like horrible. So just to be able to defend yourself when somebody just walks in and attacks you. Yeah, it's, you know, safety is, is, is on my mind quite often. My daughter, she's 21 and she's actually at, at a cinema makeup school here in California. And where she goes to school is called Koreatown. And it is really kind of an armpit of L.A., uh, you know, and so taking the train there is great, but I take her to school in the morning, but to pick her up, we have to take the train and then we have this 12, 15 minute ride on the subway. Right. And I'm telling you that subway is, that's why I can't let my daughter do it by herself because it's just too much stuff that can happen in a 12, 15 minute time frame, And the, the society there is just not yeah, good. Where from where do you take it? Do you live in Los Angeles? Uh-huh. Where do you take the train? I I lived there for four months when my son was filming four months. I've never seen a train. I see like every one hour drive, I would see a bus. Okay. They have yeah, a train? Well, yes, they do. So it's called the Metrolink. And there, I, I, my school, I live in Simi and my school is in Chatsworth. Okay. So when... And, and there's a Metrolink station in Simi and in Chatsworth. So the Metrolink train will go to what's called the L.A. Union Station. The Union oh, wow. Station is where all the trains go in L.A. Okay. And then so we get off at Union Station. We take a subway to, to her stop. That's exactly where her school is. But, yeah, that's how that's how we bring her home. I take her to school every morning, but that's how we bring her home. Yeah. So it's like not safe. For no. her to be going on by herself, yeah. No, not even, huh? Yeah. Uh oh. Oh my goodness. At least she's trained, just in case. Yeah. 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 She can yeah. take care of herself. She's. Yeah. You know, I'm a single dad. I raised all my children. Oh, um, wow. I raised my kids, my four kids. So, you know, she's been raised with three brothers and a dad on top of it. She is definitely a pretty tough chick. For to say I can least. imagine. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine she's uh, among like the youngest from all yeah. the boys would be teaching her how to be tough and her dad, obviously. That's correct. Yeah. 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 We all do yeah. that. Yeah. So how many students altogether have you taught? Like, you know, at least graduated with a black belt. So I'm in the 600s. As far as Tom Sudo goes, I have well into the 600s of black belts, you know? And so I have 600 black belts that have been graduated in Tom Sudo. In Krav Maga, I got about 60. So, you know, I'm, I'm in the realm of about 700 black belts that have come, come through my schools. And I have two schools. I have one in Chatsworth and I have one in Simi Valley. And uh, so, you know, between my schools, you know, I've graduated hundreds of black belts, you know, underneath me and, and some that stayed with me and got higher ranks and, and stuff like that. And it's, it's, you know, it's a big deal to... To get black belt from me it's not an easy it's not an easy thing to get 
And so, know. you know, it, it's, but you know, that's what happens in time, right? When you, when you push on through time, uh, you produce things and you produce a legacy. And if you can weather the storms and ride the waves that need to be ridden in business as an entrepreneur, you know, uh, perseverance pays off and perseverance has paid off in my life in a big way because it's allowed me to be the highest rank of my instructor. And it's allowed me to have a school that's probably one of the, I would say within the top five of the oldest schools in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Because martial arts schools can come and go pretty regularly. Yeah. I know. The pandemic hit them pretty hard. So what is the difference between like uh, between like let's say taekwondo and jiu-jitsu okay so taekwondo tongsudo which is my art and taekwondo they're kind of sisters right okay. they're both from korea mm -hmm. and where taekwondo is more of a sports oriented martial arts where tongsudo is more a self-defense oriented martial arts okay. you know even though they're sisters from the same country right now, jiu-jitsu depends on what kind of jiu-jitsu. You talk about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, we're talking about ground fighting, right? Which is something we do in our school, which I, I've, I've, I've grown to really love. And, uh, you know, that jiu-jitsu is about stuff that's on the ground. And Krav Maga is the Israeli martial arts that I teach. And Hapkido is also a Korean martial arts that has more to do with wrist locks and joint locks. But I'll tell you that, Jiu-jitsu has probably has become a real love of mine right now because you just can't fake it. You know, the only way you get good at it is you have to get on the, on the mat and you have to do it. You have to wrestle with people. People are trying to, to choke you. You're trying not to let it happen. And a lot of emotions and a lot of character comes out when you're doing martial arts. And it's, it's revealed. I say this often that the mat will reveal your character. People think it builds it. I believe it reveals it. You know, I yeah. believe the martial arts will build your character. The mat's going to reveal what kind of character you have when you lose and what kind of character you have when you win. Oh, wow. Incredible. I have one of my mastermind group. Uh, she she is into jujitsu. I don't know how many belts she's got so far. And now she's teaching kids. Her, her teacher, like you, asked her to help him. Now she's helping teaching women self-defense and mostly children kids like I don't know five six seven ten year old so she does that part-time and she just loves it like yes yeah yes. But that, I know. that sounds like about right that sounds like about right you'll get your students in there that that you're going to have and they become leaders and teachers themselves yeah. that's correct absolutely okay we're going to be talking about your book but can we talk a little bit about your tattoos I know. I, okay, for, for all of you listeners, I asked him before I started recording and I was just in tears when he started explaining to me. I'm not going to cry again, but just can you tell us a little <laughs> more? Can you just tell me what you told so me? So if you want to see, I'll tell you what, let me, I have a tank top on. Oh so my goodness gracious. <laughs> okay. okay. So I, so my tattoos, everybody has a meeting. You didn't see this one. See, that's my father. Oh, when he was 18 years old. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my mother when she was. Okay. So these are both my parents. These are the age that they were when they had me. Oh, okay. Wow. And so yeah. my parents were married in 1959, Cliff and Kitty. So I kind of had the Mickey and Minnie because that's kind of their relationship. Yeah. My parents are very unique. My both my parents are still alive. 
I'll show up to my, my, and my dad will still be holding my mom's hand on the couch Aww. while they eat popcorn and, and watch movies. My mom will make sure she is dressed to the nines when my dad comes home. My dad's still kind of a workhorse, even in his 80s. And my mom just is, she likes to make sure she looks good when my dad comes home. This has just oh, been my, this is what I grew up in. Yeah. And oh, so uh, that's, that's those, this one. This one here is my nephew. This is my nephew's helmet. And my nephew was a firefighter in Colorado and he was young and he had five kids and he had a little girl that he didn't get to see. He died two weeks before he had a brain, he had a brain cancer. Oh my God. And um, it, the brain cancer took him and he had five children and he didn't get to see his last little girl before he died. And uh, he also, I know he donated his organs. He saved so many lives with his own organs. It's just, and his name's Cody, Cody Mooney. That's what that tattoo's about. And you can see that I have an American flag. This yeah. one says, let's roll right here. Yeah. And I did that on September 11th, because if you guys remember when uh, our planes went down, the one that went down in that field, he was a martial artist that, oh, wow. that steered that thing away from the Pentagon. And his last words were, let's roll. And so that's what I had yeah. tattooed on me there. So oh, that's the meaning of that one. And then if you go to my other arm, you guys can see I'm a big Hulk fan. So that's, uh, that's, you know, that's the incredible Hulk. I, yeah, I got him on several places on me, his eye, the Hulk, all that. But this is a taiko drum. It's a Japanese big taiko drum. Okay. And it's wrapped with my black belt around it. So that's yeah. what that's kind of about. And I've got a cross and I've got David and I've got Jesus in Hebrew and, and a kanji that says faith. So those were, I know you, you said, uh, that you're a little bit intimidated by tattoos, but I think that my tattoos all have real meaning. And I think I told you, I didn't even get a tattoo until I was in my forties. I know so, that was like really surprising because normally yeah. tattoos like are like young people do it, like younger That's in right. their twenties. Yeah. yeah. And so, and um, well, and so you get my mom, my mom, when I first started getting them, she's like, Mark, I thought you didn't, I thought you hated tattoos. And I said, well, mom, that was back in my 30s, you know, and now I'm in the 40s. So, you know, and I went through a divorce. And so I had this first little rebel tattoo and that was the start of it. And then it's just, you know, it's just continued on, uh, on and on at this point. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be too, in too intimidated by them. I, they are a great conversation piece, though. Everybody, yeah. I have a really quality friend that's a black belt of mine that did it. His name's Danny Black. So if anybody was looking at him, they were like, well, who does his tattoos? His name is Danny Black. You can find him on Instagram. He's in Colorado now. But he uh, he did such great work on it that they're, they're a serious conversation piece wherever I go. So, so yeah. don't be intimidated by him. No more, no more, no more. I think the first person who changed my mind about tattooed people is Jose. Jose uh -huh. Escobar, and then, yeah. then comes Mark Cox, and then there is a bunch of them, and all of these people that normally I would be like staying away from or terrified from, they're all like big teddy bears, and they're so nice, <laughs> and uh, oh my God. So I am no longer going to be scared of people with tattoos. So yeah, but I'm going to forget the experience that I had, and I'm just going to live uh, what I see right now and what I hear right now. And you made me cry, but I didn't cry the second time round. So I it's did a good, good job. Yeah, it's a little, it's, 
yeah, it's a little tough. My nephew was a, it was a, it was a tough life thing for us to see. He's only been away from us for three years and, and uh, going to his funeral in, in Colorado and seeing the brotherhood of firefighters there, he was on, they kept him alive for a couple of days so they can harvest his organs. I mean, they, we already knew he wasn't going to make it and we're waiting and we had firemen working his hours so that he can still get a paycheck for his family. Uh, the love of the community go, I was behind the hearse in my car. I didn't want to go in the limo. I wanted to, to experience it myself behind in the people stopping in the street and saluting and all that stuff was, yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty something. Yeah. If yeah. I get, if I get to talking about it, I'll start missing him myself. So I know, I know. No, let's talk about your upcoming book. Number <laughs> one, congratulations. Let's talk. Your book title is beyond the map. Yes. Talk about that. So I, you know, I had not thought about a book. I, I thought about a book for many years, but I thought it to be so hard to try and do because I'm very good at, I, I can get in front of a crowd and I'm very good on the mat. I'm very comfortable. I can speak off the cuff, but I'm like, man, I'm not super elegant with my words. I don't think, how do I do this? And, you know, uh, and, but taking the lessons I learned and that's why I called it beyond the mat. Because there's so many lessons beyond the mat, yeah. not just for me, but for my students and what it's like to get a black belt, what it's like not to quit when, when everything in your fiber wants you to, and you have to rely on self-discipline in order to overcome that. And it's not just a punching and kicking. If it was just me teaching people how to punch and kick each other and defend, it would be easy. It's the lessons of life of when you're hit with adversity. Can you get through the adversity? Can you put the training that you took on the mat of all those hours of how hard things were, yet you overcame it and you and you succeeded in getting a black belt? Could you still could you do that still? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to give the lessons of me personally. And I give little snippets here and there of what my book is, because I have so many stories. <laughs> Excuse me. I have so many stories of lessons I've learned that was hard for me to pick a 10-chapter book on what do I really talk about? And, and more or less the stories of how intertwined I was in people's lives, right? And... And even so, and me getting black belts and then being able to defeat bullies because I was bullied in school. And I was probably a borderline bully myself because of it. Because I learned, I learned when I was younger, ninth, eighth grade or so, that I remember I was on a basketball court and, and I was just being, you know, just kind of, I can't remember the names being called. I just got fed up. I wasn't doing any martial arts at the time. And I just literally just kind of picked up the guy, threw him on the ground and just, I was so enraged that I was so done with him making fun of me. And then I realized that when I did that, my reputation changed and it went from kind of a, uh, you know, somebody to make fun of as you better make fun of him when he can't hear you. 
right? And so uh, that's, and I kind of like that. It kind of was a, uh, a safe zone for me. You start so getting put, respect from the other kids. That, that's correct. So, you know, standing up for myself. And then pretty soon when you have this reputation, you feel you can, you can push it off. And now the ones that used to tease me, now I'm teasing them. How do you like it? You know, that type of uh, a vicious circle, right? So bullying was prevalent for me. And now I, I know how it feels to young people today. And they're pressured. Gabby, they're pressured by each other in school. Every one of my kids were bullied in school, every single one. And I was a martial arts instructor. The teachers would not allow parents to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with each other because I believe most parents are good parents. You come to me and say, my kid's bullying your kid and he's being a jerk to him. Well, that's going to stop in my house because I'm going to see to it. And I couldn't get the schools to do that for me. I would, they wouldn't allow it. And so at pretty soon you have to tell the kids, listen, if the school's not going to protect you, you're going to have to protect yourself. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And, you know, and so, and it's still that way. But now you got children that are bullied into uh, believing what the teacher wants you to say. So if you have a different mindset or a different thinking pattern, maybe it goes against some kind of a political statement or a, a conscience statement or morality that they don't like or that teacher doesn't like, and you say your opinion which is different. Now the teachers are, are hammering on you in yeah. front of people. Tell me about it. Right? Yeah. And so you can't stick up for yourself when you're in, in authority. And so this is what's bombarded all the time. So when you come into the school and, and my books and my lessons that I learned, I learned out of the gate, right? First of all, I was, I was a pretty tough dude anyway. I didn't go in there going, hey, I'm going to... I'm super scared and I want to learn how to fight. I went into martial arts going, uh, I know how to fight and I'm just going to even get better. And I'm just going to get even more, uh, you know, to that level. Well, I'll tell you, it was a short time that I found out that there was people that were a lot better than I was, man, as far as uh, <laughs> what I thought, how, how awesome I thought I was. Right. And I was getting hammered by some of these other black belts. And I was like, wow, that is a humbling experience. And you have to take a licking and either you keep ticking or you quit. One of the two was happening. And then uh, I realized that my skill level isn't what I think it is. And so that, that changed that. And then, so beyond the mat comes, and I had a lot of adversity, Gavin. People didn't want to rent to me when I opened up a school. I didn't have credit and all that kind of stuff. I talk about that in the book a little bit. And I'll give you the teaser of how I started a martial arts school. And then you can listen to other lessons. But I was told I, you're, that the owners did not want to talk to you. That you don't have credit. You don't have money. I said, I have enough students from the church that will be enough to pay rent. I knew the rent was around $1,400 a month. I had that covered. And then nobody, they wouldn't let me talk to anybody. And they just told me no. This place was, it was empty for 12 years. Oh so my God. I ran a property profile on the, on it. And I found out who owns the, the property and it was a dentist. And I made an appointment with that dentist to have my teeth cleaned. 
And then when I sat in his chair, I see where this is going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I sat in his chair and I said, Doc, I'm not here to have my teeth clean. This is the only way I could meet you. And he was just so intrigued by it. He said, Mark, I'm going to give you one year lease. So you're not in it, you know, in this, this lease that you can never get out of. I'm going to give you one year to make it happen. And then that's what he did. And that's how I started Chasworth Karate because of that. So that's in the book. Yeah. But there's just countless lessons like this in, in yeah. my book. I was a, a world champion in the tournament circuit. And the, you'll see a story about the when my ego was so engaged and how I how I teach courtesy, integrity, perseverance, self-control, and indomitable spirit. And then when when I'm in competition mode and something happens, all that goes out the window. And I'm just kind of like a complete jerk, right? And the lesson that I had to learn from that and, and the eating of humble pie from that and being in leadership when you say one thing, but you're, you know, you say one thing, but your actions show just the opposite on what that looks like as a leader, yeah. which brings me to this, Gabby, my book too, as I, I read all this and I'm going, wow, I could never be the man I am today, right? So I'm 61 years old now. And I'm still on the mat training. I'm still lifting weights. I'm still getting in there wrestling with young kids and getting after it, even at 61. But if I wasn't allowed that growth, right? What kind of man would I be today? Because today is cancel culture. You make any mistake from the past that you could grow from. Maybe how you thought. Maybe your thought pattern isn't what it should be. You can't even say that you made mistakes from the past without just getting hammered. Uh -huh. And I oh, think yeah, that, you know, I think that my book is for Beyond the Mat. I have taken that elsewhere. And I am an advocate voice for that, that I am a, a living guy that had a really bad ego that that could really do damage to somebody. And that's what I wanted to do uh, because I was bullied and I just wanted to get after it some more, uh, get the Hulk. You know, you always see the Hulk. There's yeah. a reason I have him and the like him because he's always trying to angry and he's always trying to suppress it and be the doc. And I'm like that quite often, right? Where I'm trying to suppress this, this from coming out and using self-discipline. And so this is, I think, where I personally uh, decide that I'm, I'm going to give you guys my lessons on what I did wrong. Because everybody has stories, right? One thing I've learned in the CLA is like everybody has stories. The oh, stories yeah. I hear of, and, of, of some of these ladies in their relationships that were just abusive. And, and I've, I've ran across that so many times, teaching women self-defense where they're in tears and they're hitting things and tears are streaming down their face and trying to break through fear. Everybody does that. Yeah. Everybody has it. I don't care what face they put on or how confident they look. Something in there is 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 a growing experience for all of us. Absolutely. And that's what I decided that I, I and I called it beyond the mat because the lessons I take being on the mat is easy. Right. Going beyond the mat and having things into into real life. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah.
And then the thing is, uh, what I have heard is like, when you do get your black belt, you also learn to be smart about it, not to abuse it and use it. Because I know a kid, well, he's not, he was in his early 20s, three guys, he was um, Ethiopian, okay, the kid. And then there are three guys that was in Germany. I used to go there quite often. Three guys were bullying him, walking behind him, calling him names, bullying him. And then they started pushing him. The guy was, had a black belt. That is the one thing that his parents paid for. Like he had a black belt. He told them to leave me alone several times, right? In the end, they started pushing him. He almost fell to his face. He turned around with one foot. He hit one of the guy's head and his head went and the guy died because his head was like completely twisted with one kick. And the kid is in prison now, no future, nothing. Number one, yeah. yeah so Yeah, I, and so isn't that, that is sad, right? Because- very, Spider-Man Spider said it the best. Spider-Man's uncle said, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And this is why usually when it comes to the self-defense aspect of it, you have to really pick and choose because you could really hurt somebody yeah. and alter your life over something that doesn't need to be altered. When it comes, when somebody's putting hands on you and you got to defend yourself, that's one thing. But having the confidence to walk away it's probably the best thing I can teach people for yeah, sure. Yeah, good. Yeah. But this kid, apparently, like he, they followed him for blocks and blocks and they're calling him names. I don't know why. Anyway, at the mm -hmm. end, when they started pushing him, pushing him, almost fell. He just turned with one foot, boom, he jumped and he hit the kid and his, his head twisted and he was out. He, he died. So that's what I'm trying to say. I'm sure you guys teach like mindset and patience and um, not to abuse your power. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I think that, yeah. And I think that all beams on the instructor, right? Uh, I think that all, every, every class I talk about is you have a responsibility yeah. and you have a responsibility if you're going to defend yourself on how far to take it. You know, yeah. if, if you're at a soccer game with a bunch of parents and you decide to knock somebody just flat out i mean I that's know. not really showing the character of exactly what it is you know yeah. i mean i'm not a, the biggest turn the other cheek guy i don't want to i don't want to second guess <laughs> that by any means i'm not jesus was our best bet in there because the man took a beating and and just took it for us right but yeah. i think that i think that an instructor needs to teach, you know, I want my people to be able to defend themselves, but I want you to be able to walk away from the majority of what's going on because exactly. most of the stuff isn't really worth it anyway. But yeah. in today's world, when something can happen to you at the blink of an eye, or you can get caught in a riot or something to that, that you're not expecting. I want my people to be able to be pressure tested because I pressure test your self-defense in my school. You're going to be under stress. Can you do it under stress? Can you do it under pressure? It's not just these pretty, you know, punch, punch, punch. And you're going to get pressure tested. You're going to be attacked and you're going to be attacked and see how you defend under pressure. So, you know, if it ever happens, I've been there. My mind's been there. I'm ready to go. And also you should be able to know how to avoid, how do I avoid all this conflict anyway? And so, you know, and a bar is a perfect example. You don't want to get in a bar fight. Don't go to the bar. 
I don't know what to yeah. tell you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Saying you won't, you won't have to worry about it. You'll get 100% of not being in a bar fight at that point. Correct? So I think, that, I think that that's an instructor's thing. We have a creed, which is courtesy, integrity, perseverance, self-control, and indomitable spirit. These are the five tenets that we have. This is what I instill in my students. And uh, this is what they recite every day to have courtesy, to treat people the way we want to be treated. Okay. Integrity, not to lie. Perseverance, not to quit. Okay. Self-control, to control yourself, to do the right thing and control your mouth. And an indomitable spirit, to have the will not to quit. So those oh are the tenets God. that we do. That is so powerful. Are these in your book? Yes. Oh my God, yes. I can't wait. I already uh, ordered my copy and then I know that I want to order another one for my son. So that awesome. makes it too. Yeah. So uh, yeah. because they need it, especially the younger generation, they need to hear all this, um, you know. Oh my God, that was incredible having you on my podcast, Mark. Oh my God, we could talk a lot more. And yeah. I don't know how long we've been, but we did we did quite a bit. And uh, any closing comments? Or wait, wait, wait. I have to ask you personal questions that I ask other people. Before you give your final thoughts and advice to our listeners, I want to ask you, if you had to visit three countries before you die, what countries would they be? Norway, Sweden. Our two countries, because it's kind of my heritage. Oh, wow. Is that true? Especially, especially Sweden. Yes. Okay. Yes. In Norway, you know, the the Viking type thing. That's my my heritage in Sweden. Okay. So it would be Norway, Sweden. And I've always wanted to go to Germany for where they stormed the beaches in WW2. When they stormed the beaches in, in World War II, where our, where the our armed forces was, were stormed that beach. Uh, in World War II. Those are, those would be the countries I'd really like to see. Okay. Interesting. Okay. That you could use, you could use a, a train to go to all three at one time. Like That's what I hear about Europe. And, you, and so those that don't know me, I'm a huge train fanatic. Okay. I belong to a private train that has miniature sized real trains that you go around a, a private club I have trains in my ceiling at my work. Uh, and, and they said, when you go to Europe, you can take trains everywhere. I'm like, yeah, buses even. I, I just can't. Yeah. See, we're, we're not like that here, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So. so, yeah, I used to be like, um, anyway, yeah. But I have done a tour with my son when he was 10. And uh, yeah, we busted out like to Belgium, to Switzerland, to Germany, to God knows where, but we used to stop like a lot on the way, which is history because we had somebody telling us where we were and what we were doing. Um, yeah, it was good for my son because that's after my husband passed away from cancer. He was eight, my son, and we went through a tough time. And then something just pops up in my inbox one day, like from air miles. And I said, okay, maybe this is what my son needs. Not me personally, but my son. I took him for all these tours and uh, bus, by bus. From Belgium, we went to Germany. From Germany, we went to this. The only place I think, with, I don't know, we took one short flight. I can't remember to, what, uh, to which country, but all of it was by bus. So you can go. Belgium, I mean, uh, to go there, like all you have to do is travel, fly to one of them, and then you just take either the train or the bus. Yeah, I, 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 that's going to happen one day. I, I, I'm, I'm determined to make that happen. 
Yes, that's easy. We're going to do it right now. Not a big deal. That's yeah, it's easy. But I don't know uh, about this. I don't know how the rules are right now about all this vaccination and testing and God knows whatever in Europe. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah testing, that's true. Yeah, that is it. Other than that, like it's very easy. It's doable. If you had one dream to fulfill before you die that you haven't fulfilled, you have fulfilled a lot, Mark. But if there is one dream that you want to fulfill before you die, what would it be? What would my one what dream. would my dream be is to build wealth for my great grandchildren to be able to enjoy. Oh, that is so sweet. Your great grandchildren. Children that I would never get to see. I would like to build wealth for them before I die that they know that that grandfather's work ethic is what we have this for today. That would be my dream. That is absolutely beautiful. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Okay. So what is your last word? I will be posting the link where you can buy pre-order his book, uh, beyond the mat. But what is your last word for our listeners as advice? Well, I think, well, first of all, yeah, I appreciate, um, you having me on here and uh, I look forward to having you on mine because I, I read something about you today about the, I, I don't know where you posted it about uh, the declutter and decluttering meaning even emotional baggage and everything else that goes, goes with it. That's what but I teach. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm very intrigued by all that because it's okay. probably something I can learn even myself. And so I, I guess staying in kind of in those lines, as far as a martial arts instructor goes and what I did in my, in my life, uh, as far as closing arguments go, uh, and you can read a little more in the book about my ups and downs of decisions, but I wasted so much time on my life on trivial stuff on a belt on what rank I was, on the trophies, on all the stuff, all the acclimates that I tried to get to. It's almost like what today would be getting a like on Instagram and how that feels, <laughs> yeah. right? Is what back in my day was getting a trophy every week I competed or getting the, the new belt and the, and the stripes on the belt. And that's what rank I am. And that's, that's the pushing of the like button of the nineties, right. In the eighties, yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. I had so many trophies, Gabby, that I left them all in a basement. They just, and today I've kept the ones that are super important to me. They had stories behind them and all those acclimates that I see in my life. They don't mean squat anymore. They meant to me, but it doesn't have anything to do with me getting to build somebody else up. So I wasted all this time thinking this was the, this was the, the shiny tool. And really the shiny tool is spending time and effort with the ones that you love, trust and cherish. And that is probably the lesson beyond the mat that I have learned anything. I wasted so much time and anger on, on trivial stuff that at this time in my life doesn't really mean it. 
doesn't mean I don't work on it. It just doesn't, it just didn't have the same meaning at those times. And so I had to kind of, you had to almost kind of clear yourself and, and, and life has a way of throwing curveballs at you on a daily basis. But the yeah. beauty of life is like, if you have one bad day, you never have to relive that day because exactly. tomorrow's the next day. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So <clears throat> we never have to relive this terrible day that we just had. Yeah. Tomorrow is the next day. And then I encourage everybody to have self-discipline over motivation. Motivation fades about two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I love okay? that. Oh my God. And self-discipline better <laughs> oh. step in right yeah. about 210 or you're not going to have a day that you're looking for. So that would probably be the best thing that I can say. There's a huge difference between motivation and self-discipline and work on your self-discipline and you'll be, a, you'll have a much better self for sure. Oh my God. That was incredible. Thank you so much. And uh, I will be posting your bio and your links everywhere on YouTube and on my Podbean podcast. Uh, until the next episode, um, I'm wishing you grace, peace, and balance. Stay blessed. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.